Hello, this is the Green Report, Rappler's show on the environment and the people whose decisions impact the world around us. I'm Ia Goizum. And I'm G. Geronimo. And the annual Climate Summit, or COP28, is finally over. So, what happened? <laughs> to make it make sense, we're joined by Avril de Torres, Deputy Executive Director of Think Tank Center for Energy, Ecology, and Development. Hi, Av. Welcome back to the Philippines. Hi, Welcome. Yeah. Hi G. Thank Thanks you. for take, uh, giving your time for this uh, Green Report episode. So the European Commission for Climate Action said that we've arrived at the beginning of the end of fossil fuel. So Question mark. <laughs> Question mark. And that humanity has finally done what is long, long, long overdue. You've come from Dubai. You've seen what happened there. Is this excited, eager sentiment something shared by people who attended the annual summit? I don't think it's a shared sentiment, uh, among, especially among civil society organizations. Um, there is some truth, mm-hmm. no, na the end of fossil fuels has, has started. Yeah. Um, it's something that we have been working towards even before COP28, mm-hmm. but we're glad to finally see some recognition mm-hmm. of the role of fossil fuels mm-hmm. in this climate crisis and have that inserted into the text. Yeah. So, um, yes, the, the end of fossil fuels is, is here. Uh, it's, it's starting, pero mm-hmm. are we excited? Are we happy at the end of COP? Not really. A lot uh-huh. of frustration, a lot of um, um, sense of, uh, for, for some anger with how uh-huh. the COP28 ended. Pero, um, you know, some of us still went home with renewed mm-hmm. hope, still in despite. Um, the outcomes. Ikaw ba personally, were you angry? Were you frustrated? Were you hopeful uh, coming back to the Philippines? I think it's a mixed bag of emotions. Yeah. <laughs> all, all of the above. <laughs> tired. Yes. And, and exhausted, really. Yeah. Pero um, we take COP for what it is. We know what are mm-hmm. the, the limitations at the conference. Mm-hmm. This has been happening for 28 years. Yeah. Um, and we know that the real work happens at home. Uh, and, and not in the two weeks that we spend in the conference, wherever that may be. The real work happens at home. At I home. think, uh, wrap up na po natin. No. <laughs> Thank you. My quotable quote. But speaking of the text, which ano, I guess the biggest news out of COP nga is the language of the text where fossil fuel finally um, went there. So sabi doon, uh, transitioning away, for, it, it says, transitioning away from fossil fuels and energy systems in a just, orderly, and equitable manner so as to achieve net zero by 2050 in keeping with the science. Sabi ng Reuters, sabi that's ng, a mouthful. Uh-oh, and daming nga. <laughs> so, yeah. what do we make of this? And what do we think of the phrases face down and face out, which has been in contention for yeah. a couple of years? Uh, what do you think about, about this new line in the decision text? It's a, in, in simple terms, watered down or weakened text. No, for those who have been following the COP negotiations for years, mm-hmm. we know that we have been trying to insert full, funded, fair, feminist phase out yeah. of fossil fuels in the text. Um, and in the building blocks of the global stock take uh, text, we actually saw mm-hmm. one of the options there state phase out of fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and that's because of, you know, over a hundred countries saying that we need that translated into text. And of course, that's the outcome of years and for some decades of um, calling for a fossil fuel phase out. But 
given the circumstances of COP. We know that balance of forces are uneven at COP, mm -hmm. and this COP is held in a petro-state, yeah. and the president is also the head the of head. one of the biggest oil-producing companies in the world. Mm. Uh, the text that was drafted by the presidency didn't use phase out of fossil fuels, even though it was one of the options. We yeah. ended up with transitioning away from fossil mm. fuels, mm -hmm. um, in keeping with the science, doesn't say 1.5. We know that science provides different pathways, different models, and there are two different goals. Two degrees Celsius, 1.5 degrees mm -hmm. Celsius. And for climate vulnerable countries like the Philippines, we know the difference half a degree Celsius makes. Mm -hmm. yeah. It can impact hundreds of millions of lives. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, pros and cons, it's, it's finally in the text. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of groups welcomed it. We welcome it. Um, but the fact that we say it's historic, that it's landmark, know, right? <laughs> it's only a testament <laughs> yeah. of the failures of this COP mm. process. Because mm -hmm. 28 conferences, now we just put in the text. Mm -hmm. That's why it's historic, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that's long overdue. That should have happened decades ago. Right. right. Actually, I read a newsletter. Parang sabi nila, well, madali naman mag-throw around ng words like historic, landmark, especially for a, for some, for a deal na, par 28 years na kasi natin itong pinag-uusapan. Yes. So, parang kahit na, even the bare minimum, di ba? I mean, mm -hmm. you're an advocate, you would call that a bare minimum. To insert, uh, transition away from fossil fuels, that kind of recognition, di ba? It's a bare minimum, but we, we flaunt it like historic, yeah. landmark because it's been dragging on for so long. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I wouldn't even call it bare minimum. Eh. For me, a bare minimum would say keeping 1.5, yeah, right. <laughs> aligned with 1.5. Kasi, um, grabe yung nangyari on the ground. And this is for mm -hmm. me a very emotional cop. We see heads of delegations from AOSIS, Alliance of um, Small Island States, mm -hmm. um, being very emotional at the negotiating tables and talking about a world past 1.5 is a world of loss and damage. And those are their words. And talking about how when the text finally came out and, and countries are going to decide, they mm -hmm. were saying, we're not going to sign our death warrant. So our bare minimum is, we know it. It, the, the global stock take has been happening for months. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen in the two weeks at, in Dubai. Yeah. We know that we're off track and we know what that means to communities and to people. Um, and we didn't put that into text. Yeah. No, uh, I bumps. Uh, hearing hearing them call it yeah. a death warrant, no, because it's really a life and death situation for some people, for many yes. people. Yes. So uh, there's also a section that recognizes the role of transitional fuels. Mm. Ang seed jan marami silang di pala marami, pero very consistent yung messaging and yung campaign yung against uh, transitional fuels. Anong stance yun dito sa na nakapasok tong uh, section na to sa final yeah. text? Actually, interestingly, before that, the final text, the draft before that didn't have transition fuels. Oh, okay. um, so it was one of those na pinasok sa, sa final um, draft, although it was in previous iterations from the building blocks. Um, syempre, for us, that's another um, blow. Mm -hmm. na, um, for, for coming from a climate-vulnerable country yeah. that's already dealing with so much climate impacts, mm -hmm. Um, we know what they mean when they say transition fuels. Yeah. Ang number one jan ay gas and LNG. Yeah. And we know how much that's being promoted in the Philippines. And we can have a debate for hours about whether yeah. LNG and gas is a transition yeah. fuel. Mm -hmm. um, but the truth of the matter is, is we're promoting so much of that. Mm -hmm. 
and there's no roadmap for an exit. So this is a bridge that doesn't end for the Philippines context. Um, and without that 1.5, without restrictions of, let's all agree that in the text we're going to meet 1.5, and then inserting a text on transition fuels, that just that just risks overshooting 1.5 more. So it's a very concerning one-liner in that long text. Um, that's, again, one of those things that we're very frustrated to read. Yeah. Actually, there are groups talaga who say this is like a move backwards, um, given what we've achieved from the past cups, if we even achieved anything. <laughs> but I guess we have to, for our audience, we have to explain how, this, how these conferences go. Na, normally, texts like this, Kaya, actually, it, it was supposed to end on December 12, but it ended mm-hmm. December 13 because there were a lot of discussions and negotiations happening. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the process is that there should be a consensus among. So, kailangan whatever text comes out of the conference, um, some way or another, nag-agree yung mga nations. Mm-hmm. But, of course, for vulnerable countries, uh, they would say na, mm-hmm. um, this is not the best text, but yeah. um, we have to, yeah. it should not fail. And in negotiations like this, Super critical no semantics. Mm. The words that we use. Kaya, yun, walang, walang face out. Yes. <laughs> Meron face out, in fairness, face out ng fossil fuel subsidies. Subsidies. Uh, Inefficient. <laughs> Inefficient. Inefficient fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All those adjectives and qualifiers, they matter. Yes, they matter. Okay, balik tayo dito sa Philippines naman. So, yeah. the Philippines, we came out of COP28. Um, sabi natin, we're going to be part of the Loss and Damage Board Fund, which is uh, in an inaugural board, um, what do we, what do we think of this, <laughs> this development? Um, we're uh, of course we're ho- we're we want to host the the fund, yeah. but now that we're part of the board, what does that mean for the Philippines? I think it's a very important development, no, not just for the Philippines but globally because this means that the Philippines, one of the most climate vulnerable countries, consistently the past two decades, mm-hmm. gets a seat in an important table. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, the board <laughs> decides what happens to the fund, mm-hmm. and they get to champion loss and damage. So it's important that those who sit on that table understand what loss and damage is, not just the science, but what it actually means to communities. Mm-hmm. And we know that very well. Um, alam natin yan, ilang bagyo yung dumadaan sa atin. Yeah. Alam natin kung gano'ng kainit sa Pilipinas. <laughs> sea level rise is happening in some areas in the Philippines. And so on and so forth. And we can go on and on. Hindi mo kailangan maging scientist, kailangan malang maging Pinoy mm-hmm. para malaman mo what loss and yeah, damage Yeah, and a recent services na a lot, uh, majority Filipinos, di ba? They feel the effects of climate change. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's very important na we get a seat at that table. But all, that also means a huge responsibility. Right, right, right. But also, kasi, in the context of the Philippines and the negotiations, loss and damage, sobrang, ano, Philippi- one of Philippines is one of the nations talaga that pushed for a loss and damage fund like for years, for decades, diba? So And we're the be- poster child of ano, loss and damage. <laughs> Tayo pa ba? Diba? Tayo pa ba? <laughs> yes, yeah. that's true. Unfortunately, we are. Who can forget our then-negotiator, Yeb Sanyo, yeah. crying yeah. in the negotiation halls, diba? Talking yeah. about typhoon na yan. Um, Yolanda, yeah. a decade I know, since, years, been decade a decade since, decade since. and he called for a loss and damage, and that's when the loss and damage so, was no? Ten years. Diba? So, mahalaga talaga we get, it's important that we're in the board. Right. Yeah. And even Environment Secretary said, it's a long time coming, mm-hmm. and that, you know, we've earned that place. Because mm-hmm. we've been pushing for this fund for so many years already. Mm-hmm. But about, how about the hosting of the fund? What does that mean? Why are we pushing for it? And what does that say of this administration? 
our climate uh, the climate of the Marcus, policies of the Marcos administration. Let's name it. <laughs> of the, the Marcos administration. Um, hosting is a different matter from being a member of the board. No, that entails a lot of huge responsibility of being accountable for resources that are meant to go to communities affected by the climate crisis. Um, so it means a responsibility for this administration to make sure that there's judicious use of these resources and that it goes to the communities who need them the most. It also means that we get to be a champion mm -hmm. of loss and damage. Pero, alam mo, loss and damage, is, it's just one side of coin. Yeah. The other side is mitigation. Right. And you can't talk about loss and damage without talking about phase out. And that's a question now. Does this admin champion that? Um, we can talk about resources and, and how do we help communities that have suffered so much. Mm -hmm. But if we don't talk about the phase out part of it, and the Philippines does not take leadership in that, we pass 1.5, then that's a world of loss and damage. So um, again, one of the negotiators said this, you know, there's not enough resources in the world to pay up for loss and damage in a world that's past 1.5. Right. And uh, sabi mga, it's just one side of the coin. So aside from loss and damage, there's also uh, adaptation funding you know, to help countries transition <laughs> from fossil fuels to renewables. And uh, with what we've achieved at COP28, or the lack thereof, on uh, this side of funding, do you still think that a one, that 1.5 is still feasible? And also kasi SEED had released a study, no? Now, can you also like elaborate on yeah. that study? That's very important. No? The, we call that uh, in, in the climate conference jargon, means of implementation. Finance is one of that. Technology, transfer and development, capacity building, all of these would be what would help us implement mitigation and adaptation. Um, currently, that's very weak. Um, so um, that's, that's true, no? Kahit naman we get the strongest language when it comes to phasing out fossil fuels, if we don't say, and the developed countries have that responsibility to provide the means of implementation right. and they should lead, then the, the text is still missing. Mm -hmm. Because that's not just support, mm -hmm. that's part of their responsibilities, that's part of their climate debt to developing nations who contributed the, to the least mm -hmm. to this crisis but are suffering the most. Um, unfortunately, that's one of the things that, that's why we're coming home frustrated. We don't have the finances that's necessary to make that happen. Um, but is 1.5 still possible? Again, no, what I said earlier, um, the real work to end fossil fuels, to transition to, to, to a genuinely sustainably powered future, to meet 1.5, it doesn't happen in those negotiation halls. We know that even coming to COP. Um, uh, question, now, do you get yes. tired of that question? Yung, is, is it possible? possible? <laughs> <laughs> like, is that something that should be asked now? Kasi parang, we'll action na natin. Parang lagi lang siyang tinatanong. Yeah. <laughs> Then get tired of that question. Sorry, biglang brain fart na. Napapagod kaya si Ab and other civil society organizations when media or other people or other officials keep mm -hmm. asking, is it possible? Is it possible? Um... I don't think nakakapagod naman siya eh. It's part of the conversion process. <laughs> okay. <laughs> very technical eh, diba? Right. Um, right. We know we need 
to mean mm -hmm. 1.5, but how do we get there? That's a technical right. conversation. Eh? Right. And I think um, it requires a lot of thinking out of the box. Mm -hmm. It requires a lot of technical and yeah. uh, discussions and scientific discussions right. and mm -hmm. modeling and simulations. <laughs> also, it requires a lot of hope. Um, we can be jaded <laughs> and say, wala na talaga yan, tignan mo naman yung cop and all that. Yeah. But um, I think it's very much possible. And dito na ako mag-transition sa report. So Philippines, so we were uh, very fortunate to have commissioned a report from mm -hmm. Climate Analytics, a global uh, climate science and policy institute based mm -hmm. in Berlin. And they're mainly famous for their project called um, Climate Action Tracker, which yeah. checks whether nationally determined contributions of countries are aligned with 1.5 or 2 degrees Celsius or even beyond. Um, but they also uh, do research work and simulate pathways mm -hmm. of a country to meet 1.5. Mm -hmm. So we were able to commission a report from them. Anong itsura ng power sector ng Pilipinas pag 1.5 aligned? And we're very happy to learn that it's possible. Um, Siempre, <laughs> what it says is, very drastic cuts mm -hmm. on fossil fuels. Phase out coal by 2035, gas, LNG by 2040. Um, and we have abundant renewable energy resources to meet current and future demand, but we would need international support. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think ito yung kulang nga yes. mula sa COP28. Right? Yes. There's frustration yeah. on the ground na wala mas, walang yung pledges ng mga countries are not enough. And, and I mean, nag-introduce ka ng bagong fund when you have the adaptation fund nga na hindi nare-reach you. So those, that's, yeah, yeah. That, all that conversation, it com comes back to, um, is it because they don't want to take responsibility for what what has happened, di ba? Kaya, kaya, kaya merong ganong debate on climate finance. And that's a very tight schedule. Phasing out coal by 2035, no? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Period. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, the Philippines is also set to be a signatory of uh, this pledge that seeks to triple uh, renewable capacity in double energy efficiency. How does this pledge help out in the bigger picture of 1.5? Yeah. Um, that's a very uh, welcome pledge because it's informed by International Energy Agency's Net Zero Roadmap. So right. IEA is a recognized energy agency comprised of different nations and organizations. No? And they came up with this roadmap of how do we reach net zero by 2050. Yeah. And they said for renewable energy, that means tripling capacity mm -hmm. by 2030 and then doubling energy efficiency annual gains by right. 2030. That was translated into a pledge Mm -hmm. at the start of COP yeah. and then inserted into the text right. of the GSD outcome. So that's very welcome that the Philippines signed on to that after also civil society asked. No, no, parang oh, we okay. weren't in the initial list. So yeah, we were asking yeah. the Philippine it's delegation. It's a website. Yes. You check. Wala pa tayo. Hindi pa na-update. So kaya nga sabi ko, set pa lang. Set. <laughs> <Kasi> <laughs> hindi ko pa sure. Hindi ko sure kung parang nag-sign na. Kasi yeah. nag-sign na ba? They've confirmed. They've, they've confirmed. confirmed. So we signed on. Yeah. We've asked, because we don't initial list. And yeah. we said, President is very clear, renewable yeah. energy is the way forward, renewable energy is the top climate agenda. Mm -hmm. So um, it's good, because they also say this is historic, because it's the mm -hmm. first time that we actually uh, 
put into text the scale that is needed for renewable energy and energy efficiency. But again, and daming buts, no? Um, it doesn't say that we do that to displace fossil fuels. And that's a big gap. Because um, we can triple our e-capacity by 2030. We can double energy efficiency mm-hmm. gains annually by 2030. But if we don't displace fossil fuels, then yeah. 1.5 is still within outside reach, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's para madali ng well, not madali, pero uh, it's a positive look. Na, oh, we're going to triple. We're going to double. Pero yun nga tama. If we don't look at the other side of the coin, na hindi kailangan phase out yung fossil fuels, then it's just That. So would that yeah would that pledge mean that we'd have to also tweak our <laughs> diba meron din tayong transition roadmap locally so that would mean yeah that would mean changes also in our local pledges <laughs> um i in my opinion it should mm-hmm. but the way we should read the pledge is that it's a global target okay right um it doesn't really translate to nationally everyone has to triple renewable mm-hmm. energy capacity by 2030 and so on because we have different contexts. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to timelines, developed countries should lead, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so make ganun the aspect mm-hmm. to it and then the means of implementation. So are we being supported by the developed countries when it comes to technology development and transfer and capacity building? But it means that we are committing to work together yeah. with the global community yeah. and that we know that that's a target mm-hmm. under a net zero roadmap. All right. So um, hopefully, the intention is to meet 1.5 on our end. And if you are to look at the 1.5 report by Climate Analytics, that shows that hindi lang triple our capacity for the Philippines to meet 1.5, way more than that. Yeah. So it's a global target. Again, yung, yung big share ng pay ng responsibility goes to the big countries. Again. Sila ulit. Sisingilin lang natin sila na sisingilin up to cop whatever number. Yeah. So, anyway, all this to say, uh, the deal is not legally binding. Bi- binding, right? Is it? Is, is it? Mm-mm. There's a long-drawn debate right. on, on whether Paris Agreement is, is binding. No? But um, it, there's a nuanced debate of what provisions are binding, which ones aren't. And that's why we take so much time yeah. arguing or negotiating about the lawyer. semantics. You're, right. you're a lawyer. I mean, how do, how do we pressure the parties to... Because it's not legally binding. Or even the discussion, kung legally binding, siya, it's ongoing. It's there. Yes. Diba? It's yes. open. You know, there are some who would say that that's one of the biggest strengths of the Paris Agreement. Mm-hmm. If you try to trace its predecessors, the Kyoto Protocol, and so on, Um, is its capacity to keep parties keep going back to the negotiating tables. Even if it's not... That's exactly oh, okay. one of the reasons why they keep coming back. But I would argue naman, no, that there are certain provisions that are binding. And, mm-hmm. and it, it also matters what states do when they go back. For, for instance, in the Philippines, we have ratified the Paris Agreement into domestic law. It was approved by Senate. Other countries have not done that. Um, <laughs> So, maraming depende, maraming nuancing on whether it's legally binding. But I think what's important is it's a treaty that has compelled parties to come back every year and negotiate for something. And even in this COP where there are a lot of frustrations, we have managed to have these um, nations that have built their economies in the backbone of fossil fuels sign an outcome that says transition away. 
of course, that entailed a lot of sacrifice and compromise on and our 28 end. Years. In 28 years. In 28 years. <laughs> and all that. But, um, yeah, we, we have parties coming to the table and signing those types of agreements. Mm -hmm. right? and, and I think there are ways to, to compel them. Parang first time ko religion na parang it's a strength that it's not. Tama po yung it's a strength that it's not legally binding kasi parties come, come, come back, diba? That's one way of looking at it. In Kyoto Protocol, we've had countries withdraw because it's binding and it's top-down and it sets limitations on greenhouse gases as opposed to Paris na you come up with your nationally determined contributions. Right. And that's why this COP is so important. Because um, now, we know that this approach has led to us being off track. This is our weakness. Uh -huh. yeah. um, and, and the goal is, we, we say this is a GST COP. This is a COP that checks whether we're on track. And we know that we're off track. And so, in the next COP, in, in the one after that, we're supposed to have enhanced NDCs. And um, the fact of the matter is, we can expect the parties to come again to right. that table and present more ambitious NDCs. But when you look at it that way, parang there are wars going on, but still, nangyayari pa rin yung COP every year. Parang ang hirap pumili ng susunod na venue, pero nakapili pa rin ng venue, and uh, parties always come back. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, the next venue is another, another oil-producing oil, yeah. country. Um, and malaking role nila, no? Uh, we saw it here. We saw it in the previous COP mm -hmm. when a country that hosts the COP is one that's uh, hugely dependent on fossil fuels. Ang layo ng building blocks sa final text. <laughs> For another discussion, yung COP29. Yeah, <laughs> Next year. Next year, kita kita ulit tayo. <laughs> so, um, now that we're, not, now that COP28 has ended, for the Philippines, what steps should we take um, to honor the commitments of, that, we, that were made in COP28? Um, what should we do to honor the commitments? Yeah. <laughs> For us, no, something that we've consistently asked the Philippine delegation to do, in and out of COP. Let's keep 1.5 within reach. And we know that the highest emitting sector is the power sector. That's why we're always starting there. We have a pathway. This administration has emphasized how its governance is science-based. And here we present a report that's science-based. Mm -hmm. um, as to the impacts of the climate, we can't talk about science, but really do we have to. We feel it, we experience it every day. <laughs> Worse every year. Um, so what do we do after the COP? Mm. We translate that into action. So in our own shores, and we say this, we can't come to the negotiating tables and ask for loss and damage and ask for um, the highest ambition in NDCs and 1.5 if we're not doing it here. Right. And we can always talk about common but differentiated responsibilities and justice, but the truth of the matter is our people are suffering. Mm -hmm. And the more we delay, the more we say that um, we'd rather you suffer more up until we see these countries do it first, or is it um, for us 
primary interest na maprotektahan natin yung mga kababayan natin, yeah. yung mga sarili natin, di ba? So, um, we, we have to adopt the highest ambition. Right now, it's still 35% renewable energy by 2030, 50 by 2030. What do we expect from COP29? Um, siguro, coming from the frustrations of this COP, no, we expect another difficult COP because of where it's being hosted. But, um, ano kasi eh, for me, ah, kahit frustrating, I have renewed hope. Eh, kasi seeing all of the people who are there in this global movement coming together, and what they've done, what we've done collectively to have that into the text, it's mm-hmm. it's all the buzz, diba, na this global momentum to end fossil fuels. It's here. So next COP, we expect that to be more evident. And that's only possible if we continue the work where we're at right now. Diba? This is where the work happens. Um, and we continue building on that momentum. And it's going to become inevitable. Um, in those negotiation halls. So exciting pa rin. We hope for a better text. We hope for means of implementation, finance, technology, um, all that, capacity building. Um, but we hope also that the Philippine delegation will lead in, in having that strong voice in the negotiations. No? Kasi, um, it was the EOSIS. It was the small island states who were really um, the leaders for, for a fossil fuel phase out within the halls of the plenary, but we think we're in the same boat. Right. Tayo din, grabe yung paghihirap natin sa climate crisis. So we hope we also lend that voice to our fellow climate vulnerable Filipinos. Right. Thank you, Av, for uh, taking the time uh, for this episode. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having expertise. me. Yes. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any story ideas to pitch, you can reach us at, e- at Iagozum or at G. Hieronimo Onyx. See you in the next episode. Bye. Next year. Next oh, year. Next year. See you in the next episode next year. Merry Christmas. Happy, Happy New, New Year. year. <laughs> Sana masarapan noche, Bye. Bye.